0: One of the things that's really helped eliminate about 9 out of 10 arguments in our home when somebody's telling you about something, are you looking for comfort or solutions? You know, my first impulse is get in there and fix it. Just boom. Loving detachment is where we allow the other person the opportunity to encounter the natural consequences of their choices. The dignity of being autonomous and capable. Because I always thought living detachment sounded like abandonment. So she needed to encounter that consequence because it was her turning point. That was her springboard. That's the thing about bottoms, you can push off.
1: That's Dr. Waylon Myers, and this is episode 483 of the Wellness and Wisdom podcast. Wellness and Wisdom, where we explore the physical and emotional intelligence to live life well. Dr. Wayland Myers is a retired professional therapist who worked and trained one-on-one with the founder of nonviolent communication, Marshall Rosenberg, for decades. Dr. Wayland's career extends from beginnings in mechanical engineering to the world of social studies and then a PhD in clinical psychology from the California School of Professional Psychology in my old hometown, San Diego. I got to sit down with Dr. Myers in my old hometown of Encinitas, California, literally like two blocks over the hill from where I used to live, where I built this podcast. So it was like a really cool coming home moment for me. And we recorded this radically healing and helpful podcast that all of us are going to enjoy today. In this episode, you're going to get the inside and exclusive story and the science around this often misunderstood yet when done correctly, life changing communication model for couples and really for anyone who desires intimate relationship with themselves or with someone else. You're going to get all of this today, right here, right now on the wellness and wisdom podcast. And why is this so important? This nonviolent communication model at its core, why should you and I care? Why should we learn this simple framework that has the potential to change your life? Well, it's because all of us are jackals at times, (laughs) you know, that the zoo, if you've been to the zoo and seen a jackal, or you can just like search online for a jackal, they're actually really cute. But jackals can be incredibly mean and incredibly predatory. You'll understand what I mean when you listen to the episode, but the goal for you and I is to be a giraffe. In nature, giraffes are loved because of their long necks that stick out with vulnerability and curiosity to reach the tallest branches. And if all of us can be more like a giraffe and less like a jackal, the world will be a better place. In this podcast, you're going to learn about the practical way you can integrate the nonviolent communication model in your life, otherwise known as NVC. You'll get the checklist, the three recommendations, and the exact tools of communication on how to use NVC, and really how to use this when the stakes are high, when you're super triggered, when you're in pain, when you're really disturbed. This is where it really counts. And this episode is timeless because all of us, our grandparents, I'm sure even our future children- we'll deal with this archetype of the jackal and the giraffe. This model of communication is so simple, yet simple is not always easy. In this model, you're gonna find incredible power because look, that power comes from peace. And whenever power comes from peace, it can be trusted. Forcefulness and manipulation and all of these ways that we have coercion over others that you and I both find ourselves in behaving sometimes, maybe a lot of the times, Depending on our level of intelligence and awareness, well, they never end up serving us, right? They never serve us. They never serve the person we're trying to control because control essentially comes from fear. There is another way out of this, out of the fear box. This is why I'm so excited for you to hear this episode and watch it. Make sure you head over to our YouTube channel. Just search Wellness Plus Sign Wisdom Podcast, Wellness and Wisdom Podcast. And if you love this podcast, leave us a review. It's super easy. It helps us climb the charts on Spotify and Apple. So leave us a review. Just tap your device. You can head over to joshtrent.com forward slash review as well, and just pick your player and leave us a review for the show. A lot of times you'll hear me mention things on this podcast, either supplements or cognition enhancement or tools for your kitchen or your house or EMF blocking or just anything at all to protect and to support your own wellness. I use every single thing found in our store page at joshtrent.com forward slash store. So look, you never have to remember anything. If I mention something on a podcast or if you yourself are looking for a wellness product a supplement something that goes on or in or around your body, check out the store page when you're like, okay, I need something for my wellness or my health. Just go over to joshtrent.com forward slash store. I promise you it's way cheaper than Amazon. (laughs) It's way cheaper than anywhere else. You're going to find I worked really hard to get these exclusive discounts and cut out the middleman upwards to 40% off of all the stuff you're already buying, but now you can just get it for way, way cheaper and your purchases support this podcast. So thank you for supporting yourself, your family, your friends at joshtrend.com forward slash store. Now let's tune in and learn how we can be a giraffe using this nonviolent communication for a greater emotional intelligence and a life well lived. Wayland, we are here. We made it. We, we made, made it no, to San Diego. Yeah, yeah right. My nice. hometown. I'm so excited for this. Thank you yeah.
0: for having us in your home. No, you're very welcome. My this pleasure. Uh,
1: communication that we all deal with as, as human beings, it's something that I am constantly interested in mastering.
0: And that we're really struggling with today. We definitely are. And that's so. like, nah, we shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> There's another way.
1: What a treat to be able to sit with you. It's been so many decades of you diving into this work. You're the Mm -hmm. author of Nonviolent Communication, The Basics, As I Know and Use Mm -hmm. Them. If you're on YouTube watching this with us, Um, this book is so powerful. You distilled all the wisdom from one of your colleagues, Marshall Rosenberg. Mm -hmm. How did y'all even meet? This is the question I want to lead off Uh, with. How did you meet Marshall Rosenberg? It was 1986.
0: Is that how you came to 1986, yep. And he had been some people somehow stumbled on him and said, well, why don't you come to a training? We've got some people that will join. And, um, so he came once and then, um, people said, oh, they really liked him. And I'm like, whatever. Well, then I started to date a lady who, uh, spoke in ways, uh, that were very triggering for me. And, um, Marshall, in the way he presents nonviolent communication, he uses a jackal puppet to represent the unhappy ways to speak and a giraffe puppet to represent the nonviolent communication ones. So this lady was very well trained in the language of jackal and it was just getting harder and harder and I really didn't know how to deal with it. So the two of us went and that's what got me introduced to it. And I just realized after going through it that there was a lot of improvement and change that I could make um, in how I went about communicating and that this really had the potential to um, make relationships easier, to create stronger and deeper in bond and to be able to repair them mm. because repair is needed. I mean, uh, I've had people say, ask me, well, do you talk like this? Because there's a format which will cover it. Do you talk like this all the time with the four pieces of information? (laughs) And I go, oh, no way. That would be, that would be overwhelming. I said, I asked that of Marshall once and he said, no, 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 I don't, I don't do that. But what I've done is I've got very good at cleaning up my messes. So that's when I want to quickly create or try to quickly create a deep connection with somebody then i will be very conscientious about conveying certain pieces of information regarding me uh and 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 them in particular ways that i have learned really create a great opportunity for that connection to happen yeah. um for instance i could say to you uh i feel such deep gratitude that you're interested, that you have a channel that this can go out to people because it's something I very I, I very much in, have enjoyed exploring, but today people are having so much difficulty um, talking together and working together that more than ever I want to just sort of bring out the basic point, which is we all come from the same evolutionary process. Now, in recent times, say the last 60,000 years, we split and, you know, set ourselves up in different parts of the world, and then the individual groups decided their own little rules and their own little, uh, you know, culture and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of diversity there, but prior to that, there's about – 50 45 million years of our primate ancestors working out how to live in a group format and and they were able they have been able well as a collective we've been successful at doing that and it's I believe the reason that um, we are the most successful species and have been able to spread so broadly because We have really learned how to work and take advantage of the group phenomena. So we don't need to have everybody be brilliant. We need to have one brilliant person and then a whole bunch of people that could implement that. Um, Whereas if you live in a small group, well, you know, I want a smart person in my group, you know, Um, but we've been able to divide up the work and do the specializing and the pace of, what we're learning about and, and capable of doing has really been accelerated by the whole digital, you know, showing up in our pathway because no like doubt what you're doing.
1: It's almost like we're in a vortex, <clears throat> by the
0: way. I feel like I'm 42
1: and I and you think you're in your 50s now, right? So 72. Okay. Well, you look great. That's
0: because I I use some of your product. That's right. He was was using
1: the the spray for his synapses. No, the reason I was saying that is Mm. because we're in this cyclone where consciousness, I feel like, my experience at least, I'm curious what yours is, it feels like it's accelerating. The faster we go, it's almost like the law of compounding returns, where everything's stacking upon one another. I, do I do you get so. this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The reason yeah. I'm asking that is because in the relationship construct, mm-hmm. in my relationship with my woman, and I think so many people's hearts, there is just this complete misunderstanding and a deep wounding of being misunderstood, mm-hmm. and that's really the the most beautiful deep dive we could do mm-hmm. to kick mm-hmm. this off. Is mm-hmm. like. So and there's many some people very are simple,
0: very simple things, if you know, to make that happen.
1: And from that misunderstanding comes the closure of our hearts, mm-hmm. comes more walls that we put up with one another. So, right. you know, with that as a preframe, tell people what NVC actually is in its most simplistic form. I know we'll go deeper into it, right, but on a 30,000 right. 30, foot level, uh, what exactly okay. is NVC?
0: Well, let me start with what NVC isn't. Um, What Marshall ha- refers to as violent communication. And I had a, <laughs> I had an inmate once who was in an outpatient program, and I was teaching him nonviolent communication. He goes, do you mean you think we talk violent? And I go, oh, no, no, <laughs> you're fine. Um, that was funny. But <clears throat> at any rate, it, being judgmental, um, diagnosing people, Telling us that they're our opinion, telling them our opinion of what they've done, of their intellect, of their reasoning, or whatever, making demands, um, speaking more really from the analytical part of our ourselves. Uh, you know, let me tell you how I think you've been doing, and data. all of that kind of stuff tends to really disrupt the ability to communicate to each other. The most important stuff, which is well, how are you doing regarding whatever it is we're talking about and how am I doing? That's what we want to talk about. We don't want to talk about my opinions of you, your opinions of me. Um, this is my belief based on what I've read so far. There are parts of our brain that, are, that operate automatically, that, that are out of our purview, and i think that's because it's more efficient if you know this particular process like an initial an initial assessment of threat or safety that that happens boom like that
1: it's like our brain's always trying to save calories that's where heuristics come from yeah. these shortcuts
0: yeah yeah so one of the things that uh we well one of the things we've had to learn to do as a species and other ones have as well is to make very quick assessments when we first encounter something. We we judge it as being good, bad, worthy, not worthy. um, Safe or unsafe. Safe or unsafe. And that happens just automatically inside of us. Now, if I just vocalize and I say, well, you know, I think you kind of, you know, that was a stupid thing to do. Well, now that's my assessment. Not by the communication, we're not wanting to talk about each other's assessment and, you know, blaming and all of that stuff because it doesn't really get you anywhere that you really enjoy going. Yeah. And that's the point. Just just get somewhere that you enjoy. What we do instead is we focus the conversation on how are you doing, what's going on in you, what event. So there's the, the sort of um, st- standard structure is, the four topics that we want to address as we're communicating with each other are number one what is it that I've thought about, observed, what's been done you know i want to I want to convey in a value neutral way a description of where my reaction is coming from, so I might say when I was talking the other day and your eyes slowly closed and I kept talking and you fell asleep. Now that's a value neutral description. Uh, I could, so you, that at least you know what it is that my topic is. That's where my, my. So you're literally just, focus.
1: Ob- you're just observing a neutral event. For,
0: yeah. I'm s- for describing step one. a new, I'm describing yep. an event in a neutral way. It might be um, you know, when I remember how blah, 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 blah happened, um, you know, and then so that's letting somebody know what's basically, what's the origin of my need to talk or, or whatever. Then I want to talk about the emotions that are tied into that. So I might say when I noticed that your eyes closed and then you finally fell asleep um, and a a further addition to that, what happened piece is um, I was right at a point in sharing with you that I thought was the most important point. Now, I've just described everything talking about me and describing just in a neutral way, objective way, how what was happening. Okay, <clears throat> now I move to the feeling part. So when I noticed that and 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 I thought about. Guy, this is really a a really important thing I was talking about, and I wanted him to be able to track. I just feel really sad, uh, frustrated, puzzled. Um, So, because I I I wanted this to really okay, so that's the feeling. Mm -hmm. Those are the feelings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What am I needing? relative to this situation or what was I needing that generated these emotions. So that's the fourth piece. So there's the event talked about in value neutral way there, the emotions tied into it. And then there's where those emotions come from, which is my need. If I'm very good in talking a nonviolent communication way, my need was really to see how what I shared with you touched you. Mm -hmm. Is that the request? Because the last no, phase is the no, request, yes? You no, know, the last phase is to make a request. Yes. That's me just telling you what my need was at that moment. Got it. Because when that need wasn't being met, because it looked like you fell asleep, um, that's where my hurt feelings came from. That's, I was puzzled why you, you lost attention. I didn't know what it meant. So I've now described to you sort of three aspects of what's going on in me about that situation. The fourth piece of information that is part of the standard protocol for nonviolent communication is for me to, if there's something specific that I would like you to do or to have be done to make, a re- make that request. So I might say, could you tell me what was going on uh, over when on your side? I might ask that. Or I might say, can you tell me how you feel about what I've just said. Um, but I I end it with, and I might just say, I want to check, do you feel like you understand? Is any any part of that confusing? So that's the um, what would I like that would sort of be the next dedicated step for me? Mm-hmm. So you've got the event that's being reacted to, the emotional part, and the fact that those emotions are are the children of the needs that are tied into it that weren't met in this case. But I could have been talking about, you know, when, you're, when you lean forward and you really like got really enthralled, that might have been what happened. Well, then the feelings would be, I was really pleased and happy because I wanted to see if you really were touched by this. And I saw that you were. So that's what I was needing. I wanted to see if I could touch you or see what your reaction was. So the thing about emotions is they come in two basic flavors. They come in pleasant, comfortable and distressing, painful.
1: Yeah, because practicing NVC in this model when you're triggered and you're mm-hmm. tasting the, the the dark, bitter fruit mm-hmm. is not always as easy. Right here, it's a beautiful space. We're in your home. Yeah you're explaining the That's model right. of N V C There's right. no triggers. We're not mm-hmm. angry at That's each right. other. That's right. That's exactly right. Right. But with a partner, I can definitely say this on my in my own yeah. experience. When I'm triggered from past resentments, from past pain, Mm -hmm. from even trauma, right? Mm -hmm. Especially around couples that have been through traumatic birth experiences, stuff Mm -hmm. like this. Do you find that it becomes way harder to practice this NVC model in that experience? The higher
0: the intensity of what's going on in you, the more challenging it can be. And why is that? Is
1: it a psychological or a
0: biological or both? Well, I, I think it's both. I think it's... Well, I don't I'm not even sure I would separate biological, psychological, because it's all one package. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my psychology is the product of my biology. You know, I my brain's doing whatever the heck it's doing, and thank God it knows how to do stuff. I have no idea <laughs> how to do. Yeah. But <clears throat> I think <clears throat> that the more the more intense the pain is the harder it is to kind of have that ability to step back away from a little bit and talk about what event, um, the anger and all that kind of stuff is usually because, well, anger, Marshall said this and I found it to be completely true. Whenever I'm angry, the way I go from being hurt or sad to being angry is some part of me uh, decides that what was done was not right, or wasn't supposed to happen. So I I bring a moralistic, sort of like putting on glasses that have moralizing lenses, and I look at what happened in a way where I see what's right and wrong about it. That makes me really angry. If I just go with that anger, then you're probably going to have a very hard time hearing me, and you're not going to know the vulnerability that's really the driver of my angry reaction. So it's, it's really hard to have that ability to kind of step back a little bit. And I very often don't pull that off initially, but I've gotten very good at like, oh, all right, so where did I go in terms of you know th- this process and what I know works and what did I do? Okay, let me see what was missing. All right, so let me give you an example. I was talking with a friend a couple of weeks ago who was having trouble with her gait. Now, being 70, everybody generally has something other that they struggle with. All right, so he had adopted this kind of shuffling gait and he was tripping a lot and he said it was um, that, that because during the, the COVID, he, had just, he was retired, he just sat at home and read and he thinks he just got really deconditioned. Well, when I heard that he'd fallen down several times during the week, I got scared and i worried. So I started asking him questions like, because he was saying, I I don't really know if I, you know, I don't really like exercise. And and I I said, but if it is deconditioning um, and you don't do something about it, are you going to, Are you, are you, would you prefer to live with the consequences of that or live with the discomfort of having to get yourself conditioned? Well, and then somebody else said something or asked him a question, whatever. Then he stopped us all and he says, You know, you're making me feel like a little kid who's done something wrong and you're guilting me. And I just don't want that. That's so what I want de-
1: from you. How would you describe that behavior? Because you're doing something from a neutral space right. where you're with this person and you're applying you know, all these decades of learning that mm-hmm. you have working with patients in a clinical setting. Yeah. So from that lens, what behavior, how would you describe the behavior of that person? I am 100% sure that everybody with us right now has experienced that exact right. behavior right. from their partner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What is that behavior? Yeah. How would you describe well, that? Well, I
0: think he heard me critically Critically appraising what he did or didn't do or wanted to do or didn't want to do, and and trying to push him to do the right thing. So, so he to, felt pushed. Yeah, he felt he pushed. he felt like
1: he was trying to be coerced into something. Yeah, or?
0: yeah. Don't try to guilt me into it. Don't try to you know manipulate me into it. Don't try to shame me into it. Uh, you know, I don't want that. All right. So, fortunately, Helen, my wife, was next to me, and she goes, um, "Why don't you tell him what you're feeling?" <laughs> Because she knows <laughs> not in communication. Yeah. And I go, oh, okay. I want to have you um, able to be my friend and do things with me, you know, indefinitely. And I'm frightened. Okay. That just dissolved the tension. Because he saw the dream I have, which I was afraid couldn't be met, and so... I went into a strategy which was trying to you know do these things that didn't work for him. But the dream I had, which is the need, um, and the fear that it couldn't be met, those are the two you know central pieces for nonviolent communication, feeling in the the related need. When when a person is able to get to that level of recognition of what's driving them, what really matters the most, and share that with somebody else. It com- can completely change the ball game, and that's one of the wonderful things about this method. Is well, let me give you another example. So, um, years ago, uh, uh, we were we were. My wife started a book club probably forty some years ago when we got married twenty years ago. I started to go. Well, reading is difficult for me and I'm very slow at it. So, you know, after several years I said, you know, I often don't read the whole book and you know, I feel badly about that, and then I feel a sense of pressure and everything. And I'm just kind of thinking, I you know, I just don't think I'll go to a book club anymore if that's okay. And she going she started to get very upset about the idea of me not coming. And I thought She sort of tried to answer the problems I was having. Like, well, maybe if you... And I could just see there was something really bothersome that was going on. And I said, what is it about me attending book club that makes that mean a lot to you? So see, I'm going right for what need is driving your sort of, not exactly desperation, but your tension. And it was, well, I started this 30 years ago, and I'm really proud of how it's stayed and that we've had men and everything. And I just, I want to share that with you. And I go, so when was the next book club scheduled? That melted you. It just melted me. Yeah. It just melted me. And that's the power. Nothing magical about nonviolent communication. For me, it's powerful because it's really understood some really key things about what creates connection between people that what is talked about is done in a value-free non-judgmental way that what's talked about is what's going on in each person on a vulnerable level rather than let's have a dialogue about this, 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 you know, debate. And then when, when we are able, and sometimes it's like an archaeological dig. I go, well, okay, so you want this, and then if that happened, what would make that good? Well, that, and we finally, some we will get to. Oh, that's why. And yes, the outcome is a bidirectional desire to be to cooperate, to help, to, and it's spontaneous.
1: Do you feel like this method could work even if one partner was unwilling? to allow the method in. In other words, if, if let's say for an example, I'm mm-hmm. in a relationship and my woman is upset about uh, the house being dirty or mm-hmm. me not being home at a certain time. And I chose to close my heart, not apply any of this methodology mm-hmm. whatsoever. And mm-hmm. it could flip the other way too, Sure, where, you know, I'm upset with her because she didn't hang out my laundry or whatever right. it is. Yeah. Something that means something to me. It means that there's an unmet need. And I loved how you talked about that because really it is simple. It's observation, feeling, needs, and request. Mm-hmm. Like that's the framework. So yeah, it's not like just the framework. it's not like we're reinventing a square here, but the way that you've described the square and, and what you learned with Rosenberg and, and also your clinical practice and everything you've seen, can you take us to a situation, or maybe we can even role-play it right now, mm-hmm. where one partner is actually unfucking willing to allow the NVC in mm-hmm. and to allow any kind of healing okay, to happen? Let, How do you do let's that? Do,
0: let's do a let's do let, practice. Let's do it. Okay. So, assign me my role or whatever I do. That's
1: okay. Um, on your you, market set, Let's go. say you are the mother of my child. Okay. Yes, and hi. We live together. <laughs> You're really handsome. <laughs> and um, let's just say, let's say that I'm not feeling respected. So, ah. uh, I experience my observation is that I've been experiencing a shortness, um, uh, a tension, a, a bit of anger, um, and certain things that around the house, specifically this, this, and this haven't been completed. Can you tell me more about that? So that's, that's what I would observe to start mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. So why, why, why do you feel like that is, or am I, am I on the right base with you?
0: Which sounds like, now, am I supposed to play the person who's having trouble doing NVC? Yes,
1: and I've never practiced this, by the way. Okay, all right. So I'm going to do my very best with the observation, okay. the feeling, the needs, and the request. Okay, so, so I'm going to
0: give you the um unenlightened jackal. Yes, give me the jackal. Thing, you know.
1: And for everyone with us too, before we even go into this, because I can already feel it in my stomach, mm-hmm. this ain't going to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. And it's good because we need to. We need to go here. Yeah. All of us need to go yeah. here. The yeah. gi- the quickly explain the giraffe and the jackal. You, you yeah. said I heard okay, in media that so the, 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 the yeah. giraffe has the biggest heart Mar- in the entire Marshall
0: world. Marshall wanted to use puppets for some reason so he could demonstrate the different ways of talking. So he'd have the jackal talk in what he called jackal language, which, you know, criticism, blame, guilt, demands, um, you know, that kind of stuff. Yes. <clears throat> and then the giraffe was the model for nonviolent communication. Well, he chose jackal because, for some reason in the English language, the term, the label jackal represents somebody who's a scoundrel, who's a troublemaker, and you can't trust him, and whatever, whatever. Well, the reality is, the jackals are very sweet animals. <laughs> so I teased him about that. I said, you know, I, I think you've heard a lot of jackals' feelings because they're very sweet. They're very family-oriented and everything else. And he says, oh, well, I'm so sorry. I, I wish I'd not done that. But he chose the giraffe because <clears throat> they have the largest heart of any land animal. And also because they are so tall, they can they see the long view. Mm. So they're not just getting stuck in the moment. And, and their neck very, is
1: very exposed. Yeah, they're they're literally yeah, yeah, sticking their neck out into nature.
0: Yeah, and they're willing to stick their neck and out, predators. and that's that's part of what you're doing. If you if you speak in the kind of you address the things that people address in nonviolent communication, mm. you're sticking your neck out because you're revealing your vulnerability.
1: It behooves us to be the giraffe if we want to be loving.
0: Oh, and if we want to be loved, you know, it really helps. Yeah, so um anyway that's the jackal and the giraffe okay um so so my
1: goal right now is to be the giraffe okay that's my goal okay but i'm gonna experience a jackal i'm
0: I'm gonna be the jackal well it sounds like you have no idea how hard i work all the crises all of the this is and that's the day-to-day all this stuff i do it sounds like you're just criticizing me because i'm not perfect that just pisses me off
1: i hear you That must be really hard to feel that way. And I have some feelings of my own too. I'm feeling sad because maybe you don't want me to be in the house with you or maybe you don't want me to be around you. And that makes me feel grief and despair, actually.
0: Well, sometimes it is hard. Sometimes there are ways that you act or, you know, treat me or whatever that are are really a struggle see i'm having a hard time staying in jackal. (laughs) but you've trained yourself enough to not be in (laughs) jackal mode for so long i'm gonna i'm gonna so i'm gonna try to stick with why don't we do
1: this why don't we just flip it then because we started that, the exercise, I was, I was going
0: to suggest that, that we started that might the exercise
1: of me yeah. just kind of fumbling through yeah. it, yeah. which is yeah. so cool. Cause we don't edit this at all because this is what most people are going to do. Yeah, they're going to. I actually modeled what most mm-hmm. people will do, which is they'll fumble through the start. Mm-hmm. So let's flip it around. So yeah. you're the master, you're the yeah. giraffe, and okay. by the way, I definitely know how to be a jackal. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Oh, but, so but see, that's not your fault, it. right? That that is how we train people to speak. It's, yes, it, you know it's. Yes, get the right answer, make the right you know appraisal. Uh, things are supposed to be judged right and wrong. There is no, not there as of yet. There's no understanding in my mind of how human being really works, and therefore let's structure communication methodology that takes advantage of that. Well, that's what nonviolent communication does. It's why I want to talk about it because yeah. this the, the habitual, you know, intellectual judging opinions, you know, criticism, uh, that just keeps us in a miserable loop. And, but we don't know how to do something different. So that's what, that's what nonviolent communication is about. So, um, <clears throat> all right. So I'm going to be the jackal. I'm going to be the, the language of yeah, demand. Yeah, okay, so you okay, you're going to be I'm a, going to be demanding
1: and you're going to be the giraffe which is loving.
0: Okay. All right. So uh are you going, are you coming at me with the complaint yeah, that I'll I, come you're at not you getting enough complaint. respect? Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: I need you to mature. Oh. I need I need you to mature up. Be a man.
0: Uh um I'm not sure what you're describing. Could you tell me what Mature would look like. Because, I mean, in a lot of respects, I just, need, I think to, I I just need to
1: feel more supported. I need to feel more supported and I need you to ask less of me.
0: Okay. Um, and what kind of, what do you need that would give you a sense of being more supportive? What does supporting you more look like? I don't know. I just need things to be more easy. I need us to be in harmony. Well, we're on the same page there. I really enjoy being in harmony with you and it's sad and worrisome to me to see that you're in, in so much pain and but I I rather than sort of you know defending me or whatever um I'd really first like to take the time to understand what what you're meaning what you're addressing and and the ways in which it matters to you and how you feel about it so
1: there's just so much resentment I have towards you. That's probably what this is about. I just resent you
0: so much. Mhm. Mhm. And can you tell me um if you gave that resentment a voice, what, what what does it sound like? What does it what does it say? I need more I
1: need to be more free. I need to be more independent.
0: Ah, okay. So I feel
1: like you're squashing me. I feel like I can't do what I want.
0: Ah, so okay. So what I'm hearing is that it's really important for you to feel that you have free agency, more free agency, and you can kind of follow your own timing or inclination or style or whatever, that that's just really, really important to you. Yeah, I got that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, you're saying that you're not giving that. Can you tell me some of the ways this is that so that's I can't
1: deal with this. I just feel like you're you're coaching me. I don't like this.
0: Um, well, I don't like being coached either. And can can I tell you what I am trying to do? I guess. I'm wanting to talk about this in a way where we can get some resolution. And so some of the stuff that I'm asking for, it's just, generally it's helpful to be able to talk about that stuff. And I, I, I'm not trying to, I don't want to coach you. I'm, what I wanted, I'm wanting to, to, I'm wanting to learn about you and what this is like for you. That's all I'm, that's all I'm seeking. Because I don't really understand when you say you really feel like you don't have the freedom, you don't feel like you're respected or whatever.
1: It's just because you're part of the patriarchy.
0: Oh, what, can you tell me what the patriarchy is? What does that you mean? You know what it is. Don't play stupid. Uh well now now we need a brain transplant so that I would understand what uh, Josh means by the patriarchy. Uh, so, so I'm re-
1: I, I'm really being a hard jackal here because no, because, I, no but I I yeah.
0: well okay but you're gonna have to sort of like I don't know what you mean by that so you can sure. say
1: I don't know either oh I'm just saying it because this is something that I've heard and I've I've part, seen I've seen okay. this in, now, is, in other is relationships. It's the hierarchy
0: like how men treat women. And yes are, yes. So you're supposed to so. It, it, uh, you're acting like the hierarchy. Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. That I'm acting mm-hmm. like the hierarchy. Okay. All right. So the hierarchy is my needs are more important than yours. You should be subservient. You should be, you should grant me what I need. And is that, 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 is that what the hierarchical way of relating looks All like? All
1: right. I'm still in the role, y'all. Yes. Yes. It just, men, men are, you know, the patriarchy is about controlling women.
0: We, wow boy, that is not a way I would like to live with you. And if I'm coming across that way, I want to find out what it is I'm doing so I have a chance to do it differently because I see the beauty, the intellect, the wisdom, the intuition, the all that stuff in you, and I want to be able to enjoy that and not have you you know really unhappy and shutting down with me and so um can you do you have any idea about if if I did this instead of that what would be non-hierarchical for you because i i want to change obviously i'm doing something i'm not aware of yes because my dream i mean marrying you is i really want to have great time with you and clearly i'm really really sorry to hear that you're in so much pain about this. And I just want to be able to kind of like, it's sort of like work our way through and learn from it and try to figure out something to do different. I don't want to keep doing whatever it is that I do that leaves you feeling that way and and your tension gets up because... Yeah. Wow, let's
1: break roll for a minute. That was so, that was mastery you know what I experienced from you? Okay. I mean, obviously we don't have history together. So there's not a lot of subconscious memories yeah. that are being triggered that right. are resentment based. But what I experienced from you there, if we can all learn how to do that is you really would pause after each one of my statements. You mm-hmm. wouldn't, there, there was more of a response. There wasn't like an immediate reaction mm-hmm. to what I was saying. So that, that was key. I don't know exactly where that falls into the, to the model, but it's in there. And then the second thing I felt from you was like this genuine, almost loving curiosity. That I think
0: exactly it, it, right it gets lost get when down there's to layers the of resentment. Why the hell am I married to you in the first place? Yes, like What's what are we even dream? doing here together? Yeah, and are we doing it in the way that the needs are being met? Heck no. Yeah, but I married. See, what I did was I went down to the deepest level of the dream I have for how things would be, and I told you what it was. Just like when Helen said. This is really special. I'm very proud of it. And I'd like to share it with you. That's the deep level. It's not she wasn't throwing a rule, well, you know, yeah, men are supposed to do this and did it. You know, but I was able to walk with her to get to that point of tell me what makes that so important. So that's what happened. And the pausing is is just me wanting to really try to absorb. And understand what you're saying and sort of figure out what might be a good next step to facilitate kind of the opening up of this and Mm.
1: whatever. Would you say that if you had, let's say, a a 10-year history with someone and there was a lot of unresolved trauma, unresolved resentment and the flavor of the interactions, even if one person was really standing strong, let's just use for an example, and it could work both ways. The woman could be practicing NVC with the man who's triggered or vice versa. Mm -hmm. I'm just doing it because I'm a man, I'm in a man's body. So if I was holding the space, if I was really being the anchor, I was breathing, I was pausing, Mm -hmm. I was practicing the model, and I have inside of me so much pain, so much resentment towards my partner because there's things that Mm -hmm. have not been washed away. Mm -hmm. Do you think that NVC alone could actually handle this, or is there other tertiary
0: work that needs to be put in place? Oh, I don't think I could you know, make a, you know, a sort of a general declaration in that but regard. But in your clinical experience, is NVC well, enough if, or does it need clinical other support? Experience. My clinical experience is that 95 at least percent of the time, the couples that I worked with their problem wasn't that they didn't have the same values or goals in life or whatever, or you know, the laundry or whatever. It was that they didn't know how. They didn't know how to repair when they got into a, a miserable kind of a thing over something. Now, if they do the basics of nonviolent communication and tried to approach the issue using that then they might not get into a pickle, but it's the rep- the ability to repair. And the what for me helps me repair is I have this framework and I'm going, what's going on with each of those four pieces of information? Does she know what I want right now? Yeah. Have I really clarified even within myself why such and such is so important to me? Um, The feelings set it up. So, All right, now you're talking about a situation where you got two people in a heightened state of pain. Totally unregulated, yes. Right, 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 okay. One thing that's huge um, is for me, what I, I call it trying to reside in the heart of the giraffe. And that is, I look at that person and I go, they have the same set of needs for connection and whatever, you know, respectful. They have the same thing that I do. The way they're going about it is really not working. But they're not. They, they've gotten somehow, for whatever reason, desperate. But there is a very positive vulnerability down behind all of that stuff on the front. And I just hold that awareness that this is a good person because I know they're a good person and we're just really fumbling and stumbling because we haven't figured out how to really sort this thing um and that person may only know to take my inventory and you know try to shame me or whatever whatever but what they're wanting is something I know that's good so um the whole thing of um, people on the left being able to talk with people on the farther right. And, you know, people, we are just having a crisis there. So <clears throat> I was, uh, we were going up to um, my wife's uh, best friend's brothers for Christmas, and I was told before we left, do not bring up politics. Because the, the man, we called call him Bill, Bill is a staunch Republican, and it just won't go well. He's just, just don't, please promise me you won't do that. I don't want you to ruin Christmas. So I go, I won't do that. Well, Bill and I have become close, and we really enjoy each other. And so one morning he goes, I go out every morning to have coffee. You want to come with me? So I go with him, and I don't bring up politics. We're talking about this, that, and the other. And then the subject somehow comes up of the turmoil going on in our country. And I'm going, all right, <laughs> where do I go with this that I think might end up being constructed? And where I went was, and I didn't know what I was doing. I had no game plan. I just thought, the thing that bothers me the most is that I think we're all feeling, we all have the same needs and we don't realize that and we, we're getting lost in this clutter. And... um And then he was there quietly and I said, like, I think we want, like I said earlier too, you know, we want a government that represents what the people want, that's efficient, that is honest and da-da-da-da-da. And he's going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he started talking about, um, at one point, he started talking about Democrat um, leaders that he had really respected and voted for. By the end of the conversation, it was a couple of hours long, we had found out We were much closer in our beliefs and values than I would have ever guessed. He was much more open and what I would call sort of grounded in practical reality stuff rather than ideological uh, than I'd ever had any idea that he could be. Last time I saw him, um, he was very clear about his political preference for who would be in the in the election, you know, running next time. And it's different from what he felt the first time. So, and we were really proud of each other when we got done. It had really brought us close because we'd done such a wonderful job. And a lot of that's because he's a wonderful person mm-hmm. and gentle and considered and kind and loving and all of that. So, but it,
1: work, it works when both people make it work.
0: Yeah, that I understand they're coming from a good place, even if I might not agree they, I treat them with respect with curiosity and kindness. That is enough of a bridge build for that moment. Uh, we want a government that is efficient, that does what it needs to do for the people, that reflects the people, that is, you know, um, financially responsible. We want a government that really works. Or how about just well, honesty? How
1: about a government that's
0: just we, honest? There is that. Which actually sure. subverts the entire structure of the government that exists now. Yeah, but okay, but okay, so what what happens to me when I hear you say that as you go, alarm turns on because that sounds like a complete blanket um you know application to the entirety of everything. You know, that the whole government is dishonest. And I always get very Worried when I hear that because sure, it's I can share why it's so much more complex,
1: it totally is. But look at any water source. So, if I had water that was coming down from a melted glacier Mm -hmm. and someone flew a helicopter on the top of a glacier and sprayed cyanide all over that Mm -hmm. snow, would you say to the people at the bottom of the river, Hey, the water's safe, or would you let them know, Hey, it's been poisoned? Okay,
0: there are specific functions and um, subject areas, I guess I might use, where I really am not happy with the honesty, with the intelligence, just common sense. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the The open engagement with people, like instead of making a rule, why don't we sit down and talk with them and say, we're concerned about this, and we're thinking that would be, you know how? What do you think? And um, so, I don't like edicts. Um, and and there's there are everywhere whether it's the government or a corporation or a church or a family. There's always stuff that's really wonderful there, yes. as well as the stuff that just. Sucks. I hear
1: you. And I think we actually are in agreement of the same thing. I think within the the government structure, just like in relationship, people are doing the best they can with the level of fuel source and consciousness that they have. In other words, in other words, upstream, if upstream it's tainted Mm -hmm. and the very source of all the power, which is finance, because finance is energy is actually fueling the entire system. Then wouldn't you say that downstream, everyone is affected by that, no matter where they are. Well, (laughs)
0: When I look at our situation, if somebody said, what would be the number one change that you'd recommend to improve things? I'd say get rid of public campaign financing. I'm I'm not public, but private. Yes, yes. We need to get the people, everybody out of that and make it simpler. And it's still not going to make it pure because you've got a lot of immaturity, people still growing and evolving. You didn't know and practice the good things you do today. 10 years ago or 15 or 20 years ago. Well, you know, yeah. <laughs> again, it's, it's sort of assuming, staying in that place of, the, of the, the heart of the giraffe, just recognizing those people are exactly like me. They may be misinformed. They may be not really using you know, their brain in a sufficiently logical way. They may be scared and hiding, but they're trying to survive. And we are just a really immature populace.
1: Oh, I as so a whole. agree. You know what I've done as a on different podcasts as a metaphor? We're like a thirteen year old at the wheel of a Ferrari. Well, we are, yeah, we that's, are driving. What, yeah. what would you do if you uh, gave your son or daughter yeah. a Ferrari? They would crash yeah. it. But, no, I think they the, would the average. I it. think
0: the average developmental age is around twelve. That that makes sense. There's a lot that you know are back down at three or four, and there's others But in general, and there's a long way for us to go. But um the the bottom line is making f- trying to figure out what the most constructive, productive steps would be and try to make them, And that's what we're doing here. That's right.
1: Go back to the story about the coffee because we went in a tangent that mm-hmm. was actually really applicable that I think a lot of people can right. feel in their nervous system. Mm-hmm. Like I have, when you speak about what you speak about with like the politics and the left versus right in this divisional conversation, mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's essentially what it is. It's nomenclature that divides people. Yeah. Um, there is a somatic experience in me. And I do find at times that I do choose a side and that's just me being honest, because I think most people do. They just don't share it. They just don't mm-hmm. say it out loud. Yeah, yeah. And so inside of me, when I choose a side, what, what's going on there? Is it a self protection mechanism? How would you describe when someone quote chooses a side, and how does that flavor all human interaction?
0: Well, I think that uh, we like to feel like we um, are in charge, that we know where we stand. You know, that we're reliable. And we like to, we like things to make sense. So, if we're going to if we're going to use as the scale of evaluation, how sensible and well informed is that or not? Then we're going to really set ourselves up for difficulty because it's a judgmental thing. I like to get back to like this coffee. So I said the thing that makes me the saddest is I think. That Both sides have far more in common than they have, um, you know, but they have different beliefs about the methodology, about what's more important than whatever, but we all want a government to do what a government can do for us and to do it well. You might think a government should do more than I think. Well, that's where we talk about sorting out, why do I think doing less is important and you tell me why you think doing we 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 sorted out it through dialogue <clears throat> but our system right now we've had um, a large number of people who have decided that they're most comfortable setting up camp uh, and it's, it's a kind of semi-permanent camp in one space and then the other side Stands over and evaluates that, decides its worthiness, goodness, badness, whatever. And again, that's just an automatic thing that evolution has taught us to do. I see something immediately; I form an opinion of worthiness about it, which I haven't even thought my way through. It's just that—that's what my body does. Yeah, and that's then I have that to we decide, all experience that. Yeah, yeah. So that so I have to be aware when that happens. That—that's what helps me. Oh, okay. I'm being very judgmental about that. But I do, in this situation, in terms of the dynamics going on, I do feel a greater sense of comfort with one side and the way they're going about it than the other. And so, that's my, I guess, position. But am I going to take a stance, like, you know, to try to get somebody else to believe the same way? Right. Right. I just, I just don't find it works very well. I find what works well is tell me about your position and what, my, what makes it sensible for you. I you find know? that
1: this conversation about politics is exactly the conversation about relationships. You've talked about in your work, when I, when I try to coerce someone... And I try to force someone to do what I want to do. And there's many examples of that. It can be sometimes very subtle, mm-hmm. like the oh, yeah. coercion that people do with oh, one yeah. another versus can I just allow, can I be in that curiosity that you walked me through earlier in mm-hmm. mastery? Mm-hmm. Can I be in loving curiosity? Mm-hmm. How do we make sense of the two? Like what's a good starting place to make sense of not choosing a side to where you have to believe in my side, but still choosing a side to where you have the choice to choose your own.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, you, you brought up the word that I think is probably one of the key um, components of being successful in communication, and that is curiosity. I'm curious more than judgmental. I am assuming, and I because I believe it's true, there's a goodness going on over there trying to achieve something that I also can identify with. And man, the tactics I don't like, I might try to you know, prevent or whatever, but I assume there's goodness there. And I'm curious to find out why does this make sense? How does it make sense? And what do you like about it? So that's what I want to no, know. Curiosity rather than I'm going to dialogue to try to well, tell me why you think that. So I'm looking for ammunition that I could debate. Yeah. No, it's about being curious and granting from the get-go that person over there, regardless of how they're behaving, they're trying to do something that, you know, that would enhance their life, they believe, in some way, or they're trying to protect it from being taken away. They're good. Human beings are good. We can be trained to ignore that or suppress it, but you don't get to be as successful as we are if you are if you don't have a great ability to help each other to be like there is a good Samaritan instinct. You, we, you see it all the time, yeah, and you see it in you see it in animals as well. We're wired for empathy, you know somebody. Yeah, yes. that's right. So, there's a good Samaritan instinct. There's an instinct. I think that there are actually, um, <clears throat> there are certain moral instincts. They're just, they're hardwired in us. Now, our culture and what happens in our life is like a software piece that can, you know, work on changing how important is that? Uh, what does it look like the if you do it? software
1: changes the hardware.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it works it can. With, there's a need for justice, but I might have it defined differently what justice looks like. So that's the software part, but it's still a need, um, a need for reciprocity that we, there's a give and a take. These are things that we, uh, I believe it's built into our nervous system that these things automatically matter. And there's a whole part of our brain that was evolved to uh, enable us to have empathy. And so that's a natural ability that we have. And we may forget to use it or whatever, but it's there. We're all trying to enhance our well-being as best as possible. That's that's the bottom line. Um, <clears throat> nervous system, their whole job is to provide the information and the guidance and the 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 the, pro- the propellant for the being to create as constructive state of well-being as is possible. And that's what our emotions are. I love, uh, I'm going to read a thing from Antonio Damasu because I thought he really captured it quite well. He said, feelings provide organisms with experiences of their own life. Specifically, they provide the owner organism <clears throat> with a scaled assessment of its relative success at living a natural examination grade that comes in the form of a quality, a pleasant or unpleasant, light or intense sensation. So, feelings are always telling us something about ourselves. Now, feeling is different from um, uh, like belief, like, well, I feel that's wrong. Well, mm-hmm. no. You're, find it really upsetting because that doesn't make sense to you but there is no something is wrong feeling you know i feel that was abusive could you without using the term abusive could you describe tell? because i'm really wanting to know what specifically happened that was that came across that way to you it's not at all what i would like to be doing and i'm sorry for you know being you know clumsy or whatever yes but <clears throat> the bottom line is we're all striving to, to su- sustain or enhance our states of well-being. And emotions tell us a whole bunch about what's going, how we're doing socially, how we're doing emotionally, how we're doing physically. That's emotion's job is to inform. So they're, they're kind of like status uh, reports, but also to give us information about specifically what do I need to do? Am I feeling hungry? Am I feeling lonely? Okay, so that gives me kind of a guidance system of, oh, you know, this is an unhappy feeling. It's telling me I need more of that. This is the energy in motion. This is the emotion. That's right. And then the emotion also provides the, the propellant for you to go about Doing something that might end up improving your well-being, taking care of that thing.
1: See, this is why earlier I was asking you, do you feel like NVC and this framework, very elegant, very powerful, do you honestly feel like it's enough? And I'm going to circle back to this question again because I'm feeling it. I know people are feeling Mm -hmm. this. Is NVC enough? What are the other things that we can stack in alignment with NVC? so that we can regulate ourselves properly, so we can be present for one another, and honestly, so we can stoke that loving curiosity?
0: Um, well, now that's a gigantic question. You've got maintaining good basic health and well-being. This is how my mind works. I, I like the big questions. That's fine. But I'm just saying it's going to have you know, multiple components yes. as an
1: answer. And maybe you can just give us a few. Maybe we don't have well, time yeah. to go into 50 well, of them. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, it's it's it's, you know, you have to... In order to be able to sort of um, give a chance for you to act in a way that improves the quality of somebody's life, well, it's good if you are in the best quality state of life that you can be physically. Yeah, You know, there are a lot of people who are out there serving the poor who have, you know, they've got pain every day or whatever. But their, their internal need to the good Samaritan instinct is so powerful in that person. That that they can deal with not feeling comfortable, but for a lot of people, if they're tired, they're you know short on food or whatever, they just they may they they're they're just more cranky. Yeah. So if I want, you know, it's not just a matter of me being grounded in this basic understanding uh, uh, of how people work and what you know con- curious curiosity about these sort of well-being states. It, I've also got to take decent care of myself. I also have to, there's an old Buddhist thing where they talk about uh, doing something at the right time, with the right place, in the right place, with the right person, and in the right way. So what I'm wanting to do might be the right thing to do, but now's not the time. Or you're not the person for me to do it with, or I don't know how to do it very well yet, so I probably shouldn't do it. So those factors really factor in, and I, my wife is far better than I am at discerning what's the right thing to do at the right time? You know, I'm like, I just sort of start going, and she's going, didn't you realize that was the wrong time? Has she been one of your greatest teachers? Oh, yeah. And how Um, so? Oh, just because I think that in general, again, as a product of of evolution, um, the female brain has a better ability to kind of, understand the subtleties of social consequences and dynamics and all that kind of stuff. So like from a multitasking perspective or different? um, Just because when you were, when you are raising a a human child and you've got to have them there for whatever, 15 years or whatever, you're going to have to have help from friends and grandparents and there are going to be other kids around. That's a lot of social, you know, stuff going on. And so, there's a hoeing, I think. And Again, this is over millennia. It's not just, you know, like, wow, you know, that one generation, they really got it, and now it got passed on genetically. Nah. <clears throat> but I think that's part of what... And if, if you think about males, you know, my first impulse is get in there and fix it. Me too. Just boom. Where's the problem?
1: I got the solution. Yeah. That's like yeah. the go-to for yeah. me. Yeah,
0: Well, for most men. <laughs> my, my wife was really cute the other day. She ran across a quote from somebody, and they said one of the things that's really helped eliminate about nine out of ten arguments in our home is learning to say, uh, "You, when somebody's telling you about something, are you looking for comfort or solutions?" Because for my wife, it's probably eighty percent. I just want to be able to talk about this, air it out, whatever you know, yeah. work my way through it. I don't want a solution, but I'm a male. We make things, we fix things, we do things. That, and of course, that's what we had to do, you know, back when we had to, you know, fight yes. for the, the resources for survival. Oh my so God, so it good. It cracks me I, up.
1: I, the analogy I've heard is sometimes it's good to just get a trash can, take the lid off, have her throw up in it, just get it out, uh-huh. and just pay, say, is there any more? <laughs> Is there <laughs> any more? Like, and but not 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 in a disingenuous way, in a, in a really genuine way. Like, hey, let me hold this trash can for you. Uh-huh. I want you to vomit everything you got. Yeah, and then I'm going to ask you from from my heart. I'm going to say, is there yeah. anything more? Right. Okay, that yeah.
0: that can be yeah. the ultimate no, yeah, ultimate yeah, strength for yeah, me. It, it can't. The, my only problem is that <clears throat> if she's dumping into a trash can, the implication is that she's got trash, and the, for me, no. But she's working with isn't trash she just got a lot of built up something and energy. she needs space yeah i need space to explore it get it out diffuse the energy whatever um and just that alone if it's a pain thing just that alone it's the equivalent of what you're talking about having them throw up in your trash sure sure <laughs> i just
1: and as long as we're not holding the trash can in us, I mean, because this no, is what I'm leading to the next question here, because this is a perfect segue. Like, you've given us some very unique skills, and if maybe this is somebody's second time around watching this or uh-huh. listening to this. Mm-hmm. This, for me, is like the part of the interview that really tugs on my heart. It's something mm-hmm. that I am learning myself.
0: Okay, all and right. That's,
1: and that's why this show is, is done the the best that it's done is because I'm just honest about my stuff. So one thing that I'm working on is a concept of loving detachment. Mm -hmm. And there was an article that you published that just rocked my world. And I'm going to read a quote from that. You said, I developed my first understandings of loving detachment. At the same time, I was developing my first understandings and skills in nonviolent communication. You talked about the addiction brain in this article. You talked about the atypical brain, this concept of loving detachment. It is not spiritually bypassing. It is not ignoring problems. It's not about sweeping stuff under the rug, but it is so counterintuitive Mm -hmm. to people that were raised in an environment like myself, which Mm -hmm. was absent father, bipolar mother. Mm -hmm. Right? So I learned at a very young age as a survival strategy. Pick up responsibilities. I'm going to handle it. Oh, Mm -hmm. mom's sick. Let me handle it. Dad's gone. Let me be the man. Right. Whatever it is, I would just handle it. And so mm-hmm. that created a hypervigilance within me mm-hmm. that I recognize now as a father mm-hmm. myself. And a reaction pattern. And a reaction yeah. pattern. I
0: got this habit.
1: Kids will do Show this. Show me
0: something not going well. Mm-hmm.
1: I'll do something. Right. And, I, and even your physicality where I, I lean into things. Mm-hmm. So what I'm learning to do, and today like specifically, is I'm learning to lean back. Mm-hmm. And I'm learning to have what this is, this, this loving, healthy detachment. Mm-hmm. Let's start there because it's a really big topic to unwind. But how would you describe that? And then, of course, I would love to go into your own personal experience with that, with the addiction, uh, with with your child. Yeah,
0: for me, loving detachment, there's a number of parts to it. One is recognizing that there are times when somebody needs the difficult experience as something to wrestle with and find a solution to. They need to develop the skill. Uh, they need to find out, learn something about themselves. If, uh, you know, like with the with the, the addicted situation, I lose my job. Well, then I, that, get the, to the opportunity there is for me to learn that what I'm doing, drinking as much as I do, is making my life unmanageable for me. I'm not able to work. Um, and, uh So that's an opportunity. But if I'm in there calling the office and, you know, giving excuses or with the kid writing notes to the school to excuse absences or whatever, then what I'm doing is, I I guess it's based on a silent assumption, which is they probably won't be able to take care of this themselves. And that's something I just am kind of, you know, like, oh, wait, I think you found a nail to hit on the head there. There is an assumption that they couldn't figure this out for themselves um, or that it's too dangerous in the case of a parent. uh, It's too dangerous to allow them to do that. So that's where, in that article, I say, a parent's dynamics, the struggle, the issue, is far more complicated than if this were an adult, you know, a sibling or, spouse or friend or whatever because you're not responsible for parenting and keeping them safe Uh, but when you're a parent it's like where does um being a response having responsible responses and doing you know what i can in the way of constructive interventions where does that stop and allowing them to encounter the natural consequences start
1: how do you deem when when it is the right, to, it's such a nuanced
0: question. Uh, well, I how, t- do you, how do you I deem came that? To, I came to a very simple solution eventually, and it was, I asked myself, which action, which turn, if, if I take, or action I take, which one do I think I can live with the best within myself in the long run? Am I Do I think that by allowing my child to do whatever they're doing and not intervening, and if it turns out badly, it, do I think that's something that I can live with reasonably well in the long run? Hmm. And if it's not, then I don't lovingly detach. I look for a different, you know, option. And so, um, do you apply the same model to a partner? Uh, oh yeah, sure, sure. Um, man, it's but tricky. in a different no, it's, way, it's, tri- right? it's just it's tricky because you the. Issues that you consider the sort of thought patterns you follow with a child, a lot of them are really different from how it is with a partner. Because the partner, I assume, is probably going to be able to take care of themselves. And I don't have a sense of responsibility to protect you necessarily. I mean, I, I often talk about mothers and their instinct to protect their children. I mean, that is one of the most powerful forces on the planet, I think, is that, and I call it the mother bear instrument. Mama bear
1: energy. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's like, yeah. That's know, why you never get between daddy a mama and Daddy bear energy cubs. is,
0: you know, maybe daddy bear energy is here. And then mama bear is like, I mean, yeah. It's amazing. So, um, so you know, a, a parent child and a partner partner thing, it's, they're, similar in some ways, but in other ways very different. See
1: but you have first hand experience of this because when you went to your counselor, this is a long time ago I assume many years ago, you said um, loving detachment the counselor made it sound like a gift how could it actually be Ah. a gift loving Um, detachment because in a way when you detach from something there's going to be a grieving process there's going to be an uncomfortability a painful process mm -hmm, in in the detachment, the uncoupling This podcast is brought to you by my amazing and my heart-centered friends and colleagues and fellow wellness enthusiasts over at Paleo Valley. I love Paleo Valley. They make these super tasty, healthy turkey sticks that I pretty much devour on the daily Uh, When we get the box of turkey sticks, they last like, I don't know, a week. I don't know how my family's eating that many turkey sticks. I know you're going to feel the same way. You should probably stock up and get two to three boxes because we're always looking for healthy snacks. And these are the best I've ever come across. Beyond just the turkey sticks, you can pick up a bunch more. Like a bottle of ACV, otherwise known as apple cider vinegar, for your blood sugar, all you have to do is go to joshtrent.com forward slash paleo valley. Use the code Josh to get 15% off your entire cart. Now, why is ACV so important? Well, blood sugar. Paleo Valley Apple Cider Vinegar Complex makes getting organic apple cider vinegar into your body easy and fast without having to tolerate the taste. You ever had those ACV burps? where you drink the apple cider vinegar and it's like, (laughs) well, Paleo Valley apple cider vinegar does not have that. And it's good on your teeth. ACV strips your teeth. Most people don't know this, but you can get it in pill form as well as the ACV, the organic turmeric, organic ginger, organic cinnamon, organic lemon, everything in the apple cider vinegar complex. JoshTrent.com forward slash Paleo Valley. Use code Josh for 15% off. ACV can help support healthy blood sugar levels, minimize cravings, Support nutrient absorption and can help support natural relief from occasional indigestion. This is the ultimate ACV complex. You can get yours at JoshTrend.com forward slash paleo valley. You said, um, loving detachment, the counselor made it sound like a gift. How could it actually be ah. a gift? Loving um, detachment, because in a way, when you detach from something, there's going to be a grieving yeah. process. There's going to be a, a uncomfortability, a painful process mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. In, in the detachment, yeah, but, the uncomfortable. Yeah,
0: and pain can end up being, and very, very often is plays a positive role in the evolutionary process. And so, that what the counselor said it, it, it was loving detachment is where we allow the other person uh, the opportunity to encounter the natural consequences of their choices. So fundamental to that is I grant them the dignity of not trying to, uh, leaving them to the, you know, having some faith in them, at least some measure, and the, the, the dignity of being autonomous and capable. And so... Um, that's where I got, love. oh, because I always thought loving det- detachment sounded like abandonment. Right.
1: But exactly. Or, there are or times, like a bypassing.
0: Right. Yeah, ignoring, but sometimes it's, it's a, um, it's actually, that's what makes it loving is that I am doing it because I feel like if I intervene and try to prevent this, that, and the other, that's really not going to work well in the long run. Um, because I'll have to just keep doing it and maybe, uh, I just need to allow this, you know, natural consequences are what trigger a whole lot of our growth. So, you know, we, I don't always, it's not always a good idea to get in the middle and try to mute that. I'll give you an example with my daughter. So we had a lot of consequences as we led up to where she, we finally ended, you know, she got kicked out of all five schools in the area, uh, and special programs for kids like that. She ran away from home at one point. And so my loving detachment uh, involved, I think I'm going to allow her the opportunity to experience the natural consequences of that for several days. So I was able to keep track of where she was and that kind of stuff behind the scenes. When I got to day five, then I went, you know, if things go south from here uh, because I keep detaching, that's not something I'm going to live with in the long run.
1: You went back to that choice point like you described that's earlier. Right. Can I live with this yeah. detachment for yeah. the rest of my life? And that's yeah. the governor. Yeah. Do I think
0: I could live with that very well? You know, if things went south because I stayed detaching, do I think I could live with that? The answer was no. And that's just me. You know, somebody else might say, oh, I good for another two days or i would have stopped after one day whatever it's such but a the be- bottom line is it's beautiful what it's a bottom line is what do i think i can live with because we have to live with the consequences of our choices and if my child you know ended up having something really terrible happen i just told i said you know now is the time so we mustered the the uh, her mother and the grandparents and we found out where she was and and basically uh, communicated to her that she had to get into the car. We weren't going to just let her go. Um, and uh, so she went back there. So that was a bad consequence for her. You know, she got had to be in a locked ward for five days while we t- got her to a point where she was willing to go there. Okay, so that was bad. Okay, so she's at the program in Minnesota, uh, 28-day program, day 25. They kick her out. Because she's just not been willing to go to the program. Well, prior to that, they had been working with me for a couple of weeks to get the next you know, thing set up. So the next thing ends up being a um, foster home, um, a husband who's a recovering alcoholic and a wife who's been an ally forever. Uh, for some reason, they decided that their mission was to take in these really hardcore girls that just couldn't. You know make it in some of these big time programs and work with them well, normally the girls would stay three to four months well Christine ended up staying eleven months so i again i i, I didn't intervene until the first place no you've got to keep her no 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 i didn't i just went I trust these people I mean Hazelden is just you know planet wise is one of the most skillful and and expert at dealing with addiction that there is. So I trusted and let that go. And then she eventually decided... um, So she came to the brink. They They told her two times that, you know, pack your bag tonight because if you haven't changed your attitude in the morning, we're putting you on the airplane to go back home. That happened twice. She changed her attitude each morning. The third time it came... It was a very serious threat, and she needed to encounter that consequence because it was her turning point. You know, we talk about people reaching the bottom. I would have never guessed that the threat of being kicked out of this would be the reason. And the reason for it was, she said, this would have been the seventh thing I got kicked out of. I would have failed seven times. I didn't want to fail anymore. Hmm and and that was her springboard and she That's the thing about bottoms you can push off
1: and this whole time you're as a father waiting in the wings yeah, dealing I'm monitoring, with monitoring dealing with
0: whatever anguish oh, yeah. whatever
1: turmoil was inside of you yeah. what what were the ways in which you did deal with that to allow that pain that anguish that sadness oh, to move a lot through of you
0: support. i i went to al anon meetings and there there was a very large meeting just for parents at that time down at the near scripps hospital and that, uh, that I went to that every week, and I went to other ones on a regular basis because that was a place where I could unload, I could share, I could talk. It was where I heard people talk about what was working for them, and you know, or what, how was this was hard for them. So it, I I got my I embedded myself in a community of support people, as well as you know, reading and learning as much as I could and stuff. I had a counselor. That I could, you know, go into, and so it was by me um, basically um, setting up residence in a support environment for myself that I was able to do that. Um, so
1: there's so much wisdom that I'm sure you pulled from that experience, both and inside how painful yourself. was it?
0: Lots and yeah. lots and lots and lots and lots of pain, and yeah. I pulled a lot out of that. That now I can share with other people. Would I say, oh, yeah, sign me up for that again? Because, you know, I had a really good outcome. I'd like to squeeze another good outcome. No, I wouldn't do that.
1: How long did it take for the outcome to be the outcome?
0: Well, she eventually uh, was let out of the home after 11 months. Okay, so she was back in Minnesota for a year. She came out here, started in, um, they have a special high school for kids who need to catch up. And she wanted to graduate with her class. So in two years, she completed three years' worth of work. She graduated with high enough honors that she got a merit scholarship to a college back east, went back there, you know, succeeded there, then went to a graduate program in Washington, D.C. on political management, worked for AARP for a while, and then the women's uh, health group that God's family leave act passed. I mean, and she's got her own business now and she's just thriving. Why do you think she was successful when some aren't? I think it was in her nature that she found her own limit about what can I live with? I can't live with failing one more time.
1: Did you teach her that mode? Was she involved in NVC in any way with you?
0: No, well, no, no, she was involved with NVC, but this whole idea of what can I live with that really didn't come from NVC. It came from... I kind of had an insight it one day. It's like, could I live with that? Well, that's really a good yardstick because nobody can tell you, you know, like, oh no, let, let her do that. No, don't let her do that. Go this far. That's nobody can do that. But your own internal guidance system can inform you about what you're. I imagine you can live with. Yeah. And I could have been wrong. I mean, who knows? But, um, she. So that's how she just happened to be built. And then she, in herself, really wanted to graduate with her friends, even though she'd lost a year. And that was just her drive. And all of that willpower and energy and enthusiasm that she took a bad ride with, when it got turned around, she just built her life with it.
1: I think yeah. that it's so powerful, and I approach the subject with respect because I don't know what it's like to be in your shoes, but I can only imagine. And sucks. Um, totally sucks, <laughs> yeah. But also, you know, you said that you pulled something really powerful from it. What? What actually did you pull?
0: Oh, I learned so many. You know, in addition to figuring out what loving detachment—a workable definition for me—which was huge—I um, learned about. Um, uh, letting go and letting life go on its own, you know, life on life's terms. Um, and I'm continuing to learn about that. Um, there's a <clears throat> music producer that knows Paul Check His name's Rick Rubin. I don't know if you that rings a bell, but he's written a book on creativity. And he was about to send it to the publisher, but he wanted somebody who's an expert in nonviolent communication to look through it And see if any of the language that he used, the ways he formulated things, wasn't consistent with nonviolent communication. So he contacted me. And I did that for him. But one of the things that he said in terms of what helps you achieve the best creativity is being open to what life sends you. Um, Like the synchronicity of this happening, that happening, that happening. Oh, it led me to want to write a book, and having read this guy, that all just came together, so um, learning to trust, in, in particular in the creative process, because I thought, oh, I'm going to write a book, well, the bottom, do, how do I do, bottom line is, I realized I didn't really need to know, I just needed to start following where my enthusiasm led, and I've just continued to do that, and um, it's been really quite fascinating and very encouraging. Um, so accepting life on life's terms was a huge thing to learn about because when I grew up, my father's father died when my uh, from the Spanish flu when my dad was seven. His Germanic grandmother said, you are now the man of the family. My father stopped being a little boy and you didn't live life on life's terms. You made it happen the way it was supposed to needed to happen. So... When I grew up, I had no concept of accepting, to not know everything and plan everything and organize and be in charge. I had no concept, so it was very helpful for me to go and learn that from those twelve step programs. So that yeah, just a bunch of a bunch of things um, that I learned. You know, what's my part? What's somebody else's part? There was that differentiation.
1: There was definitely something that you have inside of you that I wonder if you could even put words on it that allowed you to move from struggle to pain without losing your enthusiasm. What was that?
0: I I think it's just whatever my nature is. So it's just the nature you were born with. Yeah, yeah. I have an enthusiasm and an energy and level of curiosity. And I've suffered from major depression for 37 years. I still take medication for it. Nobody would guess that. And that's because I have what they call an atypical depression. I can, exp- I can experience all the positive emotions and live f- from them at the same time. So I- I've been this way since I was a little kid. My mother, on her 90-something birthday, she said to somebody, You know, he's been a whiz-bang ever since he was born.
1: (laughs) I wonder what happens because I've read a lot of research around when the mother is traumatized Mm -hmm. and the child is growing in utero that actually most of the research points to a hypervigilance when the child is born premature, when there's an emergency cesarean, when the mom is experiencing super high levels of stress. Mm -hmm. Have you found that to be the case as well with the people you work with? And maybe even in your own case, did you ever look into
0: what was going on when you were in utero? No, I, I never asked that question back when I was practicing. It just wasn't part of the, oh, and you might want to check out that. Yeah. You know, it was what was traumatic for you once you were out. Okay. But we didn't know about, what did you call it, epigenetics. Yes, that just wasn't yes. out there, something to think about. And uh, and when you brought up epigenetics and what happens in the womb, in this article about epigenetics, um, what role do genes play you know, nature, nurture, and life events? It explains something about genes that I didn't know, that genes are like a set of instructions for how to do a cake, but they're kind of fuzzy. And so when the person's in utero, something might happen chemically for whatever reason, that makes the gene go this direction instead of that direction. But they're identical twin that didn't, didn't happen to happen to their gene, mm-hmm. and so they went that mm-hmm. way. And so they come out, and they are not identical creatures because of random events that have happened sometime in utero. Also told a story, this poor lady spent $25,000 cloning her cat. And the cat... Successfully survived, but it had like a really miserable person personality. <laughs> it wasn't the cat she'd had before at all. <laughs> and yet it was like supposedly genetically identical.
1: <laughs> so, anyway. Wow. Well, this is where you can put into. The play of like karma and dharma and destiny and these type of spiritual things, you know, we're definitely half beast, half spirit. Waylon, how, well, how would you define how that's transitioned for you, or has it transitioned? The belief in something higher than you—I am some Do you kind
0: of I, I believe I am some kind of spirit that is in I, embedded in and that's taken residence here. Yeah, and uh, it's been a really hard life. I uh, I'm very grateful with how far what I've done with it, but um if somebody had sat me down beforehand and said here's the advanced copy of your autobiography, I would have gone. Uh can I see door number two? (laughs) (laughs) Can I write a different one? Yeah. Yeah. You know, anybody open to like modification? (laughs) But a huge amount of what's really wonderful about me is because of having these sure. things to go through. And I think that's also just a basic thing that is comes from our evolution. We work to that's the instinct is to get better, feel better, be stronger. You know, just we don't we aren't born with no natural drive to stay alive. If if success
1: leaves clues, which it does, then what are the successful clues that you yourself leave for others about being this embodied man, about having
0: NBC well, in your the, life and about having a good doing, life in general. Yeah. Writing a book of nonviolent communication, doing podcasts. But these are seeds that just, you know, okay, so I grew these crops and there's a lot of fertilizer involved, but, you know, I figured out some way to till them. And so that's that feels really good to to lead that because I feel really sad and uh, and worried when I see the polarization that's going on because I don't think people know how to proceed in a different manner. I think they've kind of gotten stuck and told themselves this is this is this is all this possible. Part of why I am thrilled to be able to do podcasts and share stuff about nonviolent communication is there is an alternative. We don't have to come at looking at somebody else from a judging their worthiness, their goodness, their value, their intel- intelligence, their educator. we don't have to come from that moralistic appraisal perspective. Instead we can look and go, there is a human being who is basically built with the same innate needs that I have. So they need love. Uh, and these are things I think that, again, evolution, these are these are the things that evolution selected because they sustain life. So a need for justice, love, reciprocity, um, fairness, um, be willing to help the group, you know, in some measure being willing to follow the codes and rules. These are all things that all of us automatically label as important. And I think it's because they're hardwired uh, as those are things we, you know, that are important. Now, They get defined and and prioritized in all kinds of different ways in the cultures. Some of them just get erased. I remember (laughs) I was listening to a podcast, a lady from Holland, and she said, I really have had trouble, you know, because in Holland, we don't care to make you feel better. So we don't say thank you. We don't say I really appreciate that. But if we do say thank you, it means that we're not really happy. (laughs) She said, so I come to the States and people go, well, did what I did matter to you? Did it help make you feel better? Yeah. Well, why didn't you say something? Why should I? (laughs) Then she said, my husband came in one day and I said, you know, how did you like what did?' He goes, I think it's wonderful. Thank you so much for doing it. She goes, you really mean that. And it's because in her culture, they had defined it in a very different way. But the need was still there that, we act in ways which support our enhancing and maintaining our well-being. And they had come up with a different recipe over there for this kind of thing. And over here, it's much more important for me to maintain a good feeling connecting with you. And and frankly, I think it's, I'm like so totally biased because of understanding what I understand through nonviolent communication. I think it's terribly important to recognize that I want to know uh, how I have touched you or how well it's worked because seeing you glow and go, guy, I really appreciate that. That strengthens me. It warms me. It gives me feedback. It's fuel
1: for future behavior. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so my saying, thank you. It's like closing the circle of giving you've done something and then I give you back. This is a gift I give back. One so- of
1: the things that in the four components, observation, feeling needs request, how do we know if a need is coming from a wounded place an unintegrated place, an unhealthy place, or how do we know if a need is coming from the heart and the soul? How do we determine when a need is actually truly adult and valid?
0: Yeah. Okay. I think all needs that you're going to experience are at their root valid. But if you have a huge amount of energy surrounding it, like this is really, really important, um, your reaction may be way over the top relative to what a more average reaction would be. And so that's where you go. Way too big of a reaction, probably a three, four. Most people, I'm at an eight, nine. That tells me something in my life is feeding into this. Mm. This has become a giant painful issue because something in the past. So how big is my reaction? And how important does this thing strike me? And if it feels like, wow, you know, this is really powerful, then I want what I've learned is I want to stop and take a look and try to sort out how come. Because a lot of things in my adult life that I have thought were really important, when I took the time um to kind of unpeel them, I went, Oh, that's something that never happened when I was younger that was really important in terms of my nature, that that kind of thing happened. I never got to talk about emotions because my father said, emotions are irrelevant. They're dangerous because what you need to be doing is what's right, what's responsible, proper. And, you know, your feelings might, you know, who cares? Well, I'm a very feeling, that's my, I'm, whatever, I don't know how to describe it, but, um, so... You know, I would feel like I had to talk about my feelings all the time at one point once I discovered that that was really important. And, you know, uh, but there are times when it's way too big. Driving for accurate understanding, sometimes I go way too far. Mm. Um, And because back when I was a kid, the only way that you won an argument is that you had the best facts and the best logic. And oh, so, I'm
1: right there with you. Yeah. That is exactly
0: how yeah, it was for me as yeah. well. And I find that when I press for that, some people find that painful.
1: <laughs> yeah. Wow. That is so, okay. Everybody stop at the car, pull the e-brake because whenever I'm challenged, whenever we are challenged to be right, and we've heard this before, do you want to be loved? Do you want to be right? Right. What is it about the righteousness that I hold in myself mm-hmm. and that we all hold in ourselves? where we have to be right? What is that in our psyche, in the collective psyche? And how do we understand righteousness for what it really is? Because there are some cases where righteousness mm-hmm. is justice. Righteousness is valid.
0: Oh, yeah, sure. Well, it, the, so there's a couple of pieces to this. Okay, first of all, one of the, one of the tricks about when you're, you're in the realm of reactions about what's right and what's wrong— One of the tricks is, when something gets defined as being the right way, there is an unidentified kind of side reaction that goes on. If what I want is right, I have the right to bully you. I have the right to push and push and push and push because it's justified. So that's where I get myself into trouble is you know, if I, I, it's like I give myself a permission slip to just kind of go for it because it's a right by God. That gets me into trouble. I don't have a right to, you know, go about it, getting my need met in any way that I like. Um, I grant myself the right to speak about it just because it's part of my life and I, it, it matters and whatever. But, um, I tell you, I can't tell you how many times when I've gone into something, it's the thing about anger that you had in one of your notes that Marshall said, when we're angry, three things are true. Number one, there's something really important to us that we're afraid won't happen, it hasn't happened or whatever. And then we're telling ourselves a should moralistic message about it. It's supposed to be that way, should be that way, um, it's it's the, it's proper, whatever. But we're making it a moralistic thing. Because we put that moralistic energy in there, then we become righteous about going for whatever. And we are just about to act in ways that are usually guaranteed not to get our need met. So those are the three things. When you're angry, that are true. There's something really important that you're wanting. Um, telling yourself some kind of, I have a right to it, it's supposed to. It should and, be this way. Yeah, it and, ought to be this way. And that's where you then empower yourself. It's like, well, for me at least, I give myself permission slip to really fight for it because it's right. That righteous energy, um, it's it's the product of convincing myself that this is some sort of like uh, – you know, Everybody in the world has a right to this. And so I should fight for it tooth and nail and it's okay. And I can be dogged with you. Then that just doesn't work very well.
1: Well, do you feel like we have to fight for love?
0: No, I think we have to negotiate um, for uh, receiving the kinds of um, loving gestures and everything that, that really touch us. We may have to negotiate that, you know, what, tells me that I'm loved is when somebody does this, well, I, you know, it doesn't work. Uh, but do we have a right to be loved? I think we have a huge need and a need is not, the right is where you you bring in the, an obligation energy and people shouldn't have a choice. And that's the second thing. It's not just that I go on a righteous thing, but then part of something being right is you shouldn't have a choice. So I'm going to treat you so I'm, you don't get you don't get to not do this
1: right this is exactly what yeah. happened with the mandates and the lockdowns and the yeah. mask wearing mommy and daddy say I, that they know what's good for you i yeah. know you're 70 years old but i know what's good for you so mm-hmm. do what i say and don't ask questions yeah. i mean that's the absolute insanity that we all went through in the covid theater so, I think right now we're really still kind of shaking from that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a beautiful time for self reflection in relationship because, however, we showed up with neighbors, with people on the streets, we probably showed up that way mm-hmm. with our husbands and wives and boyfriends and girlfriends. Oh, yeah, yeah it's the we exact do. Same stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally. Yeah, so now, yeah. now we're at this choice point of like, all right, we've been through really a tragedy, a hardship mm-hmm. on a grand scale, and there may be more coming. So, when it comes to resilience, how do we use NVC to become resilient? Like specifically the resiliency? Because if well, I'm think, brittle, I can break. Mm-hmm, but if mm-hmm, I'm fluid mm-hmm. and if I flow with some kind of a flexible framework, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. then no, I can't be defeated. My love inside my heart can't be defeated. Well, I think that partly, well, first of all, we are programmed to be adapters, to be fluid. I mean, that. that's again, part of, you, your species doesn't survive this long unless that is a built-in tendency that you're going to adapt because that's why we were able to, you know, leave Africa and set up camp in all these different places with different, you know, biomes to feed off of and you know demands weather-wise because we were very adaptive, and so I we're we are you know built I think to uh, be flexible and to adapt. The reason Um, I ask is because right
1: now, if people are so steadfast that my way is the right way, I know the truth. And the reason I brought up the whole lockdown mask issue Mm -hmm. is because that's what I experienced. I'm not here to say that my way is the right way. Mm -hmm. It ain't. Mm -hmm. I just want to have the choice to choose Mm -hmm. my way. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. I am pro choice for lots of things in this world because I believe to have sovereignty is to be able to choose. As yeah. long as my choice doesn't hurt my neighbor or hurt my friend, yeah. then that choice is sovereign. Mm-hmm. So uh, this flexible framework for NVC—you know—the observation, the feeling, the need, the request—these are things that we must practice. We are being pushed to practice these things right now well, in yeah. our relationships and in society. So, well, we
0: have to do better in getting along. Well, here we are because <laughs> here we are. We don't succeed. When we're divided, our democracy is really struggling and you know, blah blah blah, because we don't know any better other than to proceed as we're doing. But I see us going through what I would call a cultural uh, or evolutionary um, crisis, a transition crisis, where we're really encountering in a glaring way what stuff doesn't work what's not good and we're all having then to decide are we going to make a step forward and say no you know lying and um you know domineering blah, blah, blah. all those things uh are not how we're going to live and i think it's just a developmental phase and it's a developmental step and i think we're going to make it um there are a lot of people that uh with the information coming out um regarding um trump and or, and things that have, have, have happened are going, well, you know, maybe I do need to step up here. You know, the, the Roe versus Wade thing. Maybe I do need to step up and get involved because this isn't where I want to go. Well, that's what the democracy is supposed to do. We're going to make it. We're going to get past this. I don't know how long and I don't know how deep the price will be, but I I'm right there with you. Do I know we're going to get I already know in my heart that we'll get through yeah. it. I think
1: that I and many of us are just flinching at the pain to come. I think we know it's coming. Mm-hmm. And I think it's our job to do the work to be able to withstand the demands of the waves mm-hmm, that are going mm-hmm, going to mm-hmm, hit us. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, I'm curious how you feel. I don't think it's going to be more government, more control, more laws, more mandates, more things where we're being told what to do. I think it's time for us to stand up and figure out from our hearts, both inside ourselves and with each other, what is it that I know love would do? What is it that I know is right to do? That's the best question we could ever ask ourselves because then we're outsourcing our locus of control to an external body that we pay taxes to, which is really enforced tax collection. So we we actually need less, I believe. We need less control, less governance. Or maybe
0: different things are chosen to... Regulation on—I think part of the only reason we have laws is because people have misbehaved in particular ways. Sure, so we go all right. Yeah, you know, a mature, healthy, well-informed, you know, caring, you know, great human being wouldn't choose to do these things. But as I had said earlier, there's a lot of not grown-upness going on, and and so you're going to have to make a law because. It, but it's 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 this whole balance it's like everything in some kind of balance and you get too many regulations we I worked in the uh, we lose our freedoms yeah, yeah i worked in the the uh, property management apartment ownership uh, investing business for quite a few years um and we had to subscribe to a service Each year, that sent us the most recent labor law poster or warning of this poster. And I mean, you know, that just was coming out and stuff was getting regulated that I'm like, really? Well, we're just not very smart in certain respects. You know, the bottom line is the whole purpose there is to try to create some sort of defined set of acceptable boundaries so that we can get along and move forward. But We do it pretty ham fistedly at times, and other times it's done very skillfully. Uh, But, you know, we're, uh, in my mind, we're still fairly short of what uh, we could possibly do. But we got to decide we don't want that anymore and try to improve it. What's the world that you know is possible?
1: What does that feel and look
0: like? Oh, I think it's a world where people, um, well, that they, do what I call living from the heart of the giraffe, where I look out and I see these are people just like me in terms of what matters and what they're trying to achieve. You know, good well-being and da 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 da. da. So I don't start off by going stupid, mean, da da da. And so I think people just getting it that we may disagree on methods of s execution how to do things how important things are but come on let's learn how to engage in a constructive dialogue because we need both sides of of the situation we the republicans and democrats we need their each perspective to we need diversity and we need to learn how to um, enrich the value, the way that your lives can be enriched by embracing diversity and learning to work with it. Learning to make it be a constructive process rather than a beheadbanging process. I think that's um, that those, those two things um, would help tremendously. And then yeah. I think you just, who knows, you know, when we're not tied up with fighting for survival or wrestling with somebody let let me approach it from another perspective people go the most fundamental need that people have is to be safe and i go no they want to feel safe for why would be if you were safe what would be good about that Oh, you could thrive. You could experiment, find out who you are, what you wanted to do. Your
1: bases are covered.
0: Yeah, Maslow's your bases are covered. Yeah, well, your bases are covered, and so now you can be and unfold in you know a good fashion. They're they're wanting the freedom to be able to find out who they are, be who they are, and whatever. That's why they want safety. So. All right, as closing, let's go
1: to this example for people because, man, we've covered some ground. Yeah, a lot of I've ground. I've enjoyed this. Yeah. So think about a man who's... Let's go to a woman's perspective first. One of the things that I hear about from so many guests on the show and also just in my own life from friends is in a dynamic, let's say it's a heterosexual, heterosexual dynamic. It could be any dynamic. But let's say that a woman is um, c- communicating to her man that she doesn't feel safe. Mm-hmm. How would she do that in a nonviolent communication way? How would a woman share with her man mm-hmm. that she does not feel safe, that she feels unsafe in an NVC model?
0: Well, she would go, all right, I don't feel safe. What is it? What would safe look like for me? So she'd try to figure that out. Um, and then she might be able to say, when this is going on and your response is that, then for me, my need for safety isn't being, isn't being met by that. What would work better would be blah, blah, blah. So again, it's simply a, an objective value neutral description of what's happened or what am i thinking about that's the origin of this sentence or whatever i'm doing um what feelings are involved i feel scared and uh worried and you know unsure about my future because for me safety would be handled if this happened or this happened you did this or whatever whatever so what i'd like first of all this would be the request part can you tell me what you're hearing is hard for me and then they're going to come back probably with that i'm a lousy husband (laughs) and then the 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 no I, i appreciate that that's that's how it have it but this is a particular element it's a, about getting specific. A lot of elements in our yes, it's specificity. It's about going
1: very low, very specific, low, almost yeah. like you're digging for dinosaur bones yeah. inside of the psyche. Yeah, getting,
0: getting very, very specific. Okay, and
1: so it would be the exact same thing on the other side, where let's say, for example, a man in a relationship doesn't feel respected. He doesn't feel like his woman respects him. How would he go about doing that? In well, a I would ask
0: myself what would respect look like if I were getting respected. Then I would want to try to figure out what, what that would look like. Because that's why I'm upset. Because, And then I get to figure out not only what it would look like, but what would make that more valuable for me. Why would it matter if I was receiving those behaviors rather than these? Mm-hmm. Because that then takes you to what you're needing. Okay, so if it might be, uh, it would really depend on what your topic of disrespect is. I'm not respected, uh, trusted. Um, I'm not, respect for all that I do isn't recognized yeah. you know but you have to get down to specific specificity of what actions would look like and then ask yourself what would I find in what way would those be more satisfying why would they be better to me and do your own kind of archaeological dig until you get down to the point where I want to know that my well-being and my freedom of Activity is trusted and and uh, desired. That's that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, tr- trust and and yeah. Or
1: or at the bottom of all my needs and all my things that I'm spouting out of my mouth might be that a combination of I do have some wounding in my own life that mm-hmm. I'm bringing to the experience. Mm-hmm. I loved how in the podcast you said if you have a eight out of ten reaction to something. Then that's how you know if your need is is coming from a place of wounding or coming from a place getting of getting amplified. Realism. If it's an amplified, it's kind of eight like a, of 10, you know, yeah. A then bit, you would know. Yeah. So it sounds like, and and please tell me if I'm getting this right. It sounds like in that situation where both partners from their hearts have agreed, we're going to practice this framework together. We're going to use this type of loving language. We're going to be the giraffe. We're going to lovingly call each other out when we're the jackal. There needs to be also a complement of self-regulation because in order for this NVC model to unroll and to work, there has to be some co-regulation of one another as well. It can't be just NVC model. Well, you're going to have to have
0: some security parameters. Yeah, you know what happens. What like do we a safe want? Word, what do we? Yeah, what do we want to do <laughs> if da 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 starts? Yes, happening? yes, yes. You know how do we want to handle that? So again, it's just working out okay. particulars. So. Well,
1: I've listened from my heart to yours. I've taken so much from this. This came at a perfect time in my oh, life. Oh, well, I'm glad to know. A that. A perfect time as a new dad, and I'm speaking to all the parents out there. You know that the demands amplify. So things that maybe you are wanting to be healed they start bubbling to the surface of the ocean, don't they? Yeah,
0: you're exhausted. And by the way, you don't really know what you're doing. Right, you're sleep deprived. Your brain is swimming in its own excrement. What do I do with that kid now? You know? (laughs) And there's this, this, this narcissist is in your life. Wait yes. a minute! I was the chief narcissist. What you he here for?
1: Totally. <laughs> it's just this constant like surrender to humility, man. So I've yeah. really enjoyed this. Yeah. Um, how would you define the road ahead for you, for your family, for what you're creating with the book, and and how is everything you're doing in your life going to allow you to have this childlike curiosity? Essentially, how do you live your life well? What is wellness? I follow.
0: I follow my inner. Compass, which is what am I feeling? What am I needing? Whereas, you know, Marshall, when I asked him when, one of the trainers, training of trainers things, I said, How do you decide what to share with people? Because that's just so to, there's so he much. There's so much. He goes, I ask myself, What am I most excited about regarding nonviolent commission right now? And I go with what the word the excitement is. So that's a lot of my kind of guiding area, era, arrow is my compasses, where's the excitement, where's the fulfillment, what, what really matters the most to me. 72 years old, first time I started going, I can see a doorway down there, When I'm not gonna be here. Damn, my time is precious, what do I wanna use it for? What really matters the most to me? Oh, that and that and that, so it's it's learning I've just learned to trust my own inner compass because I I I know when I'm out of balance and I, you know, it's like no, you know, whatever. And I have a wife. We both are very sophisticated in that kind of personal growth, you know, understanding things. So but it's um following my dreams and, and what brings joy and um it's it's fun.
1: What's your greatest dream right now?
0: Uh, to get a uh, new book done. that's very, you know, like this one, very succinct, but more powerful. And then go off and travel and, you know, do whatever art, you know, be with people. Yes. I I, I really like enjoying, you know, going to different uh, countries and stuff and, It's just people just crack me up there. They're really, we're really a fascinating set of critters. It's wild out there. Yeah. So spending really good quality time with the people that I love doing things Mm. that we all enjoy. That's what what I'm interested in filling my life with because there is a timer I can hear ticking, which I'm not really happy about, by the way. I don't want to hear the timer ticking, but... Well, when you get to the other Thanks side. For way less God. <laughs> Thanks for sharing with us. We got Thanks for sharing with I can see how that's a problem for you next.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, when you get to the other side, I'm sure there's going to be something so fascinating. We all don't know what's there. We pontificate about it. We try to make meaning of it all, but all we have is right now. So I've super enjoyed the right now with you. Yeah. Thank, Thank you for you. sharing your medicine, your gifts. On this podcast, and, I think uh, this
0: spray is probably, and the fact that I sprayed it on my chin, hey, I think it made a big difference.
1: Listen, this <laughs> this right here is the Jamner Juice. This is from Newtopia. Y'all got to check this out. All Josh, right, forward slash store. Also, where can they find you? Where do they go to find you? Where do they get they, this
0: book? Nonviolent
1: communication. Oh, well,
0: that's on Amazon. Okay, six dollars and ninety five cents,
1: and it fits in your front pocket right here. If, yep, it's yeah, like that, that's in one of the, the things, front Pocket.
0: Yep. Okay. Or purse or whatever. I've heard, I've had people tell me over the years they love it because it's so portable. And that's why it sells super well over in France. It's been translated in French. And there's a company over there that uh, makes these little small format books on all these different health sop- topics. Oh, cool. And this fits in perfectly because it's just nice and succinct. So um, Amazon, the book. I have a website, it's waylandmyers.com. All right. And so that's where you find the article and stuff like that. Um, Okay. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah.
1: Thank you for having us in your home. Oh, well, thank this you is for my coming hometown. I used to live two blocks from you oh, just on gosh. the other side of El Camino. Oh wow. So this has been so sweet to come back home and have this conversation. I was really calling it in from a soul level. So yeah. Waylon, thank you so oh, much. Well, for thank for you. I
0: really enjoyed it a lot. And you guys, uh, you've got a great videographer, by the way, he's, he's, I, a, he's I, handsome. I, he's I, he smiles. He, you know, we're right I mean, on. And, and he's know. about to be a new dad. Yeah. Oh, so, you know, come on, do not cut this part. No, we're leaving it all yeah. in. Josh 2.0. Great guy. Yeah, baby. All <laughs> right, y'all. So we're
1: talking more about Wayland's work, about this book, Nonviolent Communication, The oh, Basics, and then there's as I also- know and use them. We're talking about this at joshtrent.com forward slash community.
0: You can also go to joshtrent.com forward slash podcast. What were you going to say? I was just going to say that this is a very interesting book if people want to know more about okay. feelings and needs and how that all works. All right.
1: Feeling and Knowing, Making Minds Conscious. Antonio Damasio. Yeah. That's beautiful. He's got a very Italian name. Okay, guys, we'll see you soon. Peace.
0: And love. And love. Gentleness and kindness.
1: This podcast is brought to you by our trusted friends at Organifi, the creators of the Organifi Gold, my number one turmeric, lemon balm, and superfood adaptogen bombshell. That, trust me, will make you sleep like a baby. I know this because I use it on the regular. Not only is this one of my top sleep supplements I use personally, but also it helps my nervous system and my stomach calm down at the end of the day in the evenings especially if I've had a stressful day. I know you have those too because you're human. (laughs) And because we're human, the best thing to do is take loving care of the human body, starting with quality sleep, not just quantity. This is going to allow you to have the highest quality of life possible. So if you've been struggling with sleep, give this superfood adaptogen powder, the Organifi Gold, a test drive for a special deal over at wellnessforce.com forward slash Organifi. O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I wellnessforce.com forward slash Organifi. Pick up a 30 day supply give it a test drive. If you don't like it you can send it back but no one's ever done that (laughs) as far as I've heard 20% off is the biggest discount you'll find over the entire internet. We're grandfathered in these savings are for you. Head over to wellnessforce.com forward slash Organifi and use the code wellnessforce. Share this with your friends your family and anyone who wants to drink the gold and sleep well. Thank you for being with us on the Wellness and Wisdom Podcast. Every link, resource, and wellness good you heard today can be found at your show notes page. Roll over to joshtrent.com forward slash podcast, and you just got an exceptional gift of wellness and wisdom. Don't let it go to waste. Don't be one of those people who hears a podcast, smiles, gets entertained, but puts down their phone and doesn't embody it, doesn't use it. You can choose something different today, and I know you feel this, to start a new journey head over to joshtrent.com forward slash M21 and get three free weeks of coaching from me to you directly in your inbox. Get your free Morning 21 Wellness Guide, including your breathwork practice and guided journey from my heart to yours based on 20 years of my own experience. That's joshtrent.com forward slash M21. And if you're ready to dive deeper right now, join us in the wellness and wisdom community by enrolling in our Breathe Breath and Wellness program over at breathwork.io. At breathwork.io, this is a three-week journey where you're gonna save $150,000 and months of travel to learn the best of the best breathing science and spirit to apply into your life to eradicate stress using your breath. The world's not getting any easier, but you can be stronger. Join me on this three-week guided journey, including binaural beats, guided breathwork meditations, proper posture and muscle training, so you can learn how to use your breath as your ally for the rest of your life. No matter what comes your way, if you can breathe, you can choose. Use code PODCAST25 over at breathwork.io to save 25% off your Breathe, Breath & Wellness three-week guided program to work directly with me at breathwork.io. Use code podcast25 to save 25% off. I cannot wait to see you in the program.